Welcome to Top of Mind with Concilio Wealth, a show about markets, investing, and financial planning. Join us as we cover current events that are in the news and answer top of mind questions from our listeners. This podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute investment advice. This audio may contain statements that may be deemed as forward-looking. Any such statements are not guarantees of future performance and actual results may differ from those projected. This podcast is not engaged in rendering legal, financial, tax, or other professional services. Welcome everyone to episode 41 of Top of Mind with Concilio Wealth. Today is Friday, January 26th, 9-12 Pacific Time. And how and I are back to discuss what's going on in the news, as well as some interesting things that we thought uh, we've experienced personally in the last couple of weeks. How I am sick. Uh, our son's been out of school all week. Uh, we tried to bring him yesterday. He made it about half the day, and they kicked him out because he had a rash on his body. So it's just been a week. <laughs> it's been a week. But I'm here because the show must go on for the podcast. So... Uh, nothing can stand in our way. Okay, today's episode, we are going to talk about a special CD rate that I got on my Marcus account. And I've talked about this a little bit in the past, so got an interesting email from them. Uh, remember that 529 plan that I started a while back? I guess that was like 2021. Well, it's up. Um, and I was reflecting on that, and I want to share that with all of you. Retail spending in December was again higher. Economic growth was really, really good. Uh, Once again, the U.S. economy continues to prevail. And finally, how has something called loud budgeting? I don't know what that means. So how is going to let us know what that means when we get there? All right. All right. So this CD rate that I got, so I have this Marcus Mm -hmm. account. Marcus is a Goldman Sachs product. It's a high yield savings account. Um, Clients of ours would probably recognize that name too. You know, when they're asking us about high yield accounts, I'll typically yeah. talk about Marcus and the Amex account. There's other ones as well. Uh, I think City has one or CIT Bank. And, you know, if you just Google high yield savings accounts, you're going to land on like Nerd Wallet or Bankrate, and you'll see kind of yeah. the top rated ones. Real quick things to look for are no hoops. Many of these accounts will have teaser rates that look really, really good, better than the average. But the hoops but are on the first five hundred dollars or something like that, right? On the first five hundred dollars, <laughs> or they're trying to get you to switch all your banking over. Yeah. So, like, make your direct deposit there, or make two debit card transactions a month, or that kind of thing. So, just have an eye for that. My my uh, bias in these is just towards the ones that are simple: park money, get interest, take money out, interest is done. That's it. Okay, so I have a Marcus account, and I got an email earlier this week. That says, special term, boost your savings, 14-month CD at 5.4%. Now, for context, my current rate on this account is 4.5%, just on money that's sitting in the savings account. So 5.4 is a nice bump, right? It's almost Mm -hmm. 1%. And it's locked for 14 months. Um, Says, lock this competitive fixed rate today and enjoy a guaranteed return. Offer expires 4-17-2024, minimum, and the APY may be changed before the CD is open and funded. How? What's your take on this? What are what are, what are the banks trying to do by offering a higher rate and locking for fourteen months? The higher rate and locking, I think, it, from a bank's point of view, I think they want to. 
maintain or even grow their deposit base. I think that a bank like Goldman does have a lot of wings, but think of a traditional bank where they, they need to bring in deposits to therefore loan out money, right? So it really depends on the bank's business on the back end, meaning what are they doing with that money? Are, are they seeing an influx of auto loan requests or mortgage requests? Maybe not with these higher rates, but that's why, that's why you would need that capital because you can't lend out money you don't have in a form of deposit, right? Um, you, that's, that's illegal, right? You, you're well below your reserve requirement. So yep. you got to, if, if you're maxed out in loans and you want to create more loans, the, the simple answer is create more deposits. So my theory is that uh, the banks are essentially trying to prevent a small run on their bank. Uh, and that they're betting on the fact that the Fed will lower short-term interest rates faster than long-term interest rates actually come down. Meaning, as the Fed lowers rates, yep. we're all going to make less money on our high-yield savings accounts and our money markets and this kind of stuff. And at some point, we would be incentivized to pull that money and put it somewhere else. And that could cause then a lot of these deposits to go out. In fact, interestingly, I pulled money from this account recently. And uh, they asked me, asked me to fill out a survey. They said, do you anticipate pulling this amount of money in the future? Do you anticipate on replenishing this amount of money and then doing it again? Was this a one-time thing? Um, and then, and then I think they even asked, like, where is it going? Um, and the options were like, you know, I'm buying a house, I'm buying a car, yeah. I'm paying taxes, other, you know, that kind of thing. So they're quizzing on, like, where's the money going when it's leaving? Is it because of interest rates? That was an option, by the way. Oh, I got a higher rate somewhere else. So I think that they're betting on the fact that their money is a flight risk as the Fed lowers rates, and they're trying to lock it for 14 months because oh, yeah. where's this money going? This money is ultimately guaranteeing their ability to do consumer credit, say car loans, credit yeah. cards, those kinds of things, which they're betting on that interest continuing to be higher and more profitable. Therefore, I need my savings deposits to continue to offer those you know, those credit, uh, extensions. That's my theory. That makes sense. And it kind of runs counter to what we've been saying, where banks want to lock in lower rates for the longest possible time, right? Cause they don't want to be paying 5% because they, they have in turn, uh, make 7% off of the corresponding loan to even break even sometimes. Right. Yeah. Um, this sounds plausible. We don't know yet, but uh, again, we won't know Goldman's tactic there because bank reserves, especially in Goldman's case, because they have uh, equity risk in there. They have fixed income risk. They have deposit risk. So they might be shoring something else up that they know they could get a better return on, for all I know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, pretty complicated bank relative to a regional bank or even a, I want to say Wells Fargo or Bank of America, but they're trying to push towards the Goldman type of investment banking model mm -hmm. where their, their, their book is getting more complicated. So yeah, I, it sounds counterintuitive, but the fact that they're offering that high of a rate with a lock-in and I would probably look for uh, what's called the call provision where they say, Hey, after four months, we, we have the reserve, the right to give you your money back and stop paying you interest. Yeah. When I looked at this, there wasn't a call provision. Yeah. Let me, um, let so me there must be something again. else that they're needing that money for. Um, because there's a little, there's a little, uh, let's see, yeah, $500 minimum, lock in this rate, 
10 day CD rate guarantee. So this is as of January 22nd, just a couple days ago. Um, penalties that may reduce the CD earnings are withdrawal prior to maturity. Uh, I don't believe there's a call feature on this. Yeah. So pretty pretty rare instance now because I, I did check inventory and a lot of CDs are paying about 4.5%. Mm -hmm. That's a big drop off since the last time we brought up CD rates here on, here on this episode or this podcast. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I think they're trying to get out ahead of it, right? Because if they start yeah. seeing deposits go, then they have to hold their rate or or even raise their rate to try to incent money to stay. I think they're trying to get out ahead of it by offering these CDs. Yeah. And then they can just yeah. plan too. It's like, hey, I know I've got money for 12 to 14 months. And if rates go down, who's going to break it? You know, who, who's going to pull their money before 14 months? Nobody. No. Well, yeah. It's people that need the money. But yeah, yeah. well, again, I I think there's a lot of people who are still sitting in on traditional savings account that's yielding what less than a quarter of a percent. Yeah. Because they, they don't look at interest rates or care to move their money around. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Well, I'm curious, our listeners, is anybody else getting emails like this? I know that many of you have these high yield accounts now. Are you getting emails from your bank that says buy a CD and it's like about 1% or a little more, a little less than your current rate? Are you taking yeah. it? What are you doing? Um, just would be curious to hear from, from everybody out there. And I think we sit in our year end, right? Like don't fight over or do spend a ton of time researching a difference of a percent on your savings. Um, if you could lock in and you're getting an offer like that from Goldman, like Chris did, jump on it. But I would say don't spend a ton of time researching which bank offers the highest yield. If you're scraping for, you know, a third of a percent difference, it's sure. it's not worth the effort. Sure. Yeah. In another account, moving money, yeah. another yeah. tax form, all that stuff. And you got to transfer it and... Yeah. You know, if you have auto pay linked up, you got to reestablish all that. That's that's probably a big reason why people haven't moved off their Bank of America's or the low low yielding checking and savings. Because mm -hmm. it's so, so interrelated to everything, right? But if you yeah, get a CD I've been like with the that, same yeah, bank. Yeah. I've been with the same bank for probably 25 years. As crazy yeah. as that sounds. Don't move. So. All right, I want to shift into this 529 plan. Remember that? Remember the 529 plan that, that I was griping about a few years ago? So we started a 529 plan for a son. We started funding it. Uh, and we started this thing up in 2022. Everybody remembers the market in 2022. Uh, it was up, down, up, down, up, down, but mostly down. And then it kind of pivoted and started going up towards the end of the year. But it was a bouncy year. Now, you remember that I commented on this quite a bit because I bought... And then I was immediately down. I was like, oh, God, like, of course. <laughs> I knew it, right? And then it went up, and I was like, oh, man, I wish I bought more. I knew it. Um, well, for context here, so I ended up putting in roughly a third, a third, a third across three transactions in 2022. So um, the dates of these, uh, so August 16th, which August 16th. Yeah, that was like one of the times right before everything fell. Of course, right? August 16th. I remember talking about that. Then I did more on September 2nd. Almost clipped the bottom. September 2nd. No, I'm sorry. September 2nd was 
kind of one of the one of the near tomb highs actually. Um, so two at the near tomb high, and it's like, oh, really? Then uh, the 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 final third on September twenty sixth. September twenty sixth was almost uh, the bottom. It looks like things bottomed on. 10-1, 2022, a little bit lower on 10-15, 2022. Yeah. So, so darn close. Well, what I wanted to share is uh, today I'm staring at this account. And um, I'm up 24.22%. And the only thing that I'm wishing is that I put in more money. Mm-hmm. And so, so I was just start, reflecting on that, right? Because start difference I, I from, yeah. Well, I don't time. know that I've ever opened an account before and put in kind of a sum of money and then just let it sit. Like, you know, I'll, I'll put in money, I'll trade something, I'll buy something, or I'll put it into our model portfolios and the company manages it or, you know, and then I kind of admittedly lose track of that specific investment, right? But this went into one thing across those three purchases and I'm up 24.22%. Man, why didn't I do more? Yeah, so this was the the best feedback that I've gotten for your story, your personal story. Everyone loved that you're pining over, you know what what you know came out to be days, literal days difference. Yeah, uh, the market was again to go back to 2022. The market was moving like it was not a fun time to invest. Um, turns out the bottom was that June, but <clears throat> it does it doesn't mean that we had ups and downs. Um, I think, I think the feedback that I got was you're kind of like everyone else where I wonder how many people invested all their investable dollars at once and then never look back. Mm-hmm. I know that's like the common advice, but who does that? Like who, who has the, the guts to do that? Well, and my theory was we'll contribute to this over time consistently. So it's not all it's our money, yeah. <clears throat> but also what we tell clients if they had a lump sum of money is either go all in now. Yeah, we or, save time in the markets, right? Or put yeah. in 50% now and do the other yeah. 50% over like two to six weeks. Now, interestingly, we're all trained to dollar cost average to, to fund it. We all do it with our 401ks. We all do it with monthly investments. Uh, but I encourage everybody to Google dollar cost averaging versus lump sum investing. What you'll find is that lump sum investing always outperforms unless you perfectly time the top and you perfectly yep. bought at the top. Yep. And that's because you're in longer, you got more dividends, generally the market goes up. Uh, so I knew that and I wanted to, to get all the money in on, you know, in a relative short, short period. And then, you know, when the market fell, you know, I, I, I did what, uh, you know, we tell any of our clients would do and I bought more. So anyway, I just wanted to, to share that with everyone. I thought that was helpful uh, or I hope that's helpful. Uh, just a, a personal reflection on like, man, isn't that true for all of us? Like whenever you make money on something, don't you always wish you bought more? Yeah. Like when COVID. Flip when, it on you. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Finish your thought. Just to, okay. Last thought was <clears throat> when, when the markets tanked in COVID, I remember that we sent out a call for cash email to all our clients. Yeah. I put in money to my own accounts personally. We all did fantastic on that. Right? We know it'll be okay over time. And you know, that was probably one of the best investments I've ever made in my life because I bought it. It was the scariest at the, in the moment though, too. Trust the process though, yeah. you know? Yeah. So, uh, if I, <clears throat> I'm going to flip that on you. So let's say 2023 was pretty bad. Like there's another 10% down after 20% down 2022. Would you be saying the same thing? Would, would you, what would your re- level of regret be 
with those summer dollars in 22. Now, if things went according to the way everyone expected, to be fair, you yeah. invested because our internal uh, outlook was pretty tepid and you know somewhat negative. We were still holding out hope, somewhat optimistic, but we weren't screaming 26% in the S&P at all, right? Nobody was, yeah. So if 23 was the way, you know, the way we expected how, <clears throat> I know it's kind of hard to go in the alternate reality, but how would you react versus now? So what, what, I, what I like to keep as a mindset is if you made an investment and or if the market is lower, the mindset is you have the opportunity to buy at a price that is lower than it was in history with money that you didn't have back then, right? Because we all earn money like yeah. a paycheck, right? Over time. And so if markets go down, that's my opportunity to buy back, you know, a year ago or two years ago. And that's when we sent out that email, when the markets crashed in COVID, we said, look, the markets have retraced to, I don't remember what it was, 2015 levels or 2016 levels or something. We're like, we don't know where the bottom is, but if I could buy more in 2015, I would do it knowing mm -hmm. what I know that's now. That's good, good perspective, yeah. yeah. And so that's what I think about when things go down is I have the opportunity to buy at yesterday's prices with money that I didn't have yesterday, but I have it today. Yeah. So I would have bought more. Yeah. And again, hindsight's powerful because um, yeah. the fears are kind of erased. I could tell you, <clears throat> you know, uh, entering 2023, there was a lot of fear and... Not a lot of people were, you know, willing to hand over money to invest to their investment accounts. But now the, the attitudes have changed now that we've, you know, again, the, the, the results still may come in with recession or not, but it looks like things are improving pretty greatly, right? And everyone's suddenly brave about investing in 2023. Oh, should have yeah. done this, should have done that. I was like, well, you know, that's not investing. And... Things are down typically for a reason. They don't just sell off and give you an opportunity to jump in when things are good. Right. That rare, that's pretty rare, right? Uh, <clears throat> so I think that the money's typically made in 2022 when you start building that foundation yeah. for those unexpected 2023s. Yep, yep, yep. Buying in the face of that, the, the crazy headlines in the news sure worked out last year. Yeah, <clears throat> easier said than done. I, I could tell you that. Easier said than yeah. done. <laughs> It, we were we we were there's you know uh, there's a level of fear that we had and it's just not easy to overcome emotionally especially when you're putting in significant amount of dollars yeah to something so uncertain yeah and we had a lot of people i mean you know, i can't tell you if it was more than the average or less than the average we have a lot of a lot of clients that are funding their accounts here uh maybe it was about about average about in line with what we would expect yeah yeah i know that was harder to do last year but you know look at it now don't yeah. wish we did more. Yeah. Yeah. And in the face of, ah, I could just leave it in cash and get 5%. That feels pretty good. So Yeah, but you still had what, let's say it was all 100% S&P, which I think is unrealistic, but there's still 21% opportunity cost there, right? Totally. That's a huge, huge gap. Totally. Especially if you're going. You shouldn't, yeah, you shouldn't be thinking of that as a, yeah. a long-term. <clears throat> you know, it comes back to as well, because we were talking about, like the data, right? When, when markets have a down year, like 2022, what do forward looking 12 month returns look like? And we, we rely on that when things were pretty ugly. 
yeah. yeah and they were we very were good right and it's like yeah. generally and again like let's let's zoom out and let's think about this from a thirty thousand foot view like generally well diversified portfolio doesn't go on and on forever so if we have a bad year the forward-looking 12 months generally looks pretty good yeah and it's kind of the yeah. same thing with bonds you know if we survived 2022 with what bonds did the worst return in a hundred years yeah we made it probably won't have to go through that again for another hundred years <laughs> that's good um yeah and and you know invest feed forward and now you know now bonds are up this year because rates have come down a little bit and of course markets up in the in the trailing 12 months yeah yeah wild wild where we've come from your son's i29 <laughs> yeah as you would say invest as if we don't know correct who who knew right who knew and you only know in hindsight and i always say you don't get yesterday's price good luck finding someone who's willing to give you a 26 percent return if you bought mm -hmm. something today good luck mm -hmm. and that's again I, I know we're talking with hindsight right now but it's i totally get that it's a lot easier said than done Let's shift over to some economic data here. So retail spending in December was very good. seems like economic data was really, really good. <clears throat> You've got some comments here in the deck and uh, in an image, which uh, I don't totally understand. So maybe maybe I'll just let you run with this. Um, yeah, share with us what's going on in, in consumer spending and just the strength of the economy. Yeah, yeah. They, that, that, the chart, a Bank of America published a chart where where they saw their consumers spending habits were uh, <clears throat> and it wasn't in basic needs it was all just almost uh not taking additional spending to take just kind of widen out the lens here uh <clears throat> we've got december retail numbers and they came in higher and everyone was expecting a slower christmas because everyone was tapped out through inflation and higher rates and guess what the unexpected happened and <laughs> it just seems to be the consistent story through covid and post-covid uh as a result gdp for the u.s had been coming stronger than expected for the last quarter so this is like the good news keeps piling on in terms of the re resiliency of the american consumer mm -hmm. uh, which represents about 70 percent of gdp so to focus in on that bank of america report what did people spend on in the last you know uh year and most of it was travel and entertainment in terms of um, volume and number of transactions. So volume increases make sense because inflation is higher. Everything's more expensive, right? Booking a hotel at the Hilton, something got more expensive. Therefore, spending at hotels goes higher, right? That let's say a hundred people book hotel rooms, but the cost is twenty percent higher. You would expect twenty percent revenue increase for the hotel, right? So yeah, uh, yeah. What we did not see. What we did not see was a leveling off or a decline in transactions. We actually saw a 9% increase in, in travel and entertainment. And this is number of transactions, so that strips out the effects of inflation. So inflation or not, people were spending money on discretionary, right? Because travel and entertainment is probably not a need, rather a want, right? Food. Food transactions, uh, the number of transactions actually grew by 4% while the, the revenue of food spending grew by 5%. So we all harp on food inflation, but we're spending 
more on actual like like quantity of foods. So I think that's <clears throat> I think that's what the story's been painted all last year. In spite of higher rates and higher prices, we are blowing past all that and spending in terms of qu- quantity a lot more than what we used to in 2022. I bet that's food at home too. So yeah. food at home yeah. is up by by a occurrence, 5%. so transaction numbers, more swipes at the grocery store. It's also yeah. more expensive. Yep. My eggs are back up in price. God. <laughs> oh, yeah. I so, can't believe uh, it. We have a personal chat where my I, I get regular eggs, and um, Chris admonished me for that because I pay, I think, $4 for uh, 18 eggs. Dude, you don't want to be putting those <laughs> eggs in your body. I'm telling you. I, th- I think he pays Not $13 for, for 12. Is it $13 for 12 dozen or 18? It's for 18. It's for what 18. kind of eggs are these yeah. that you're buying? That's that seems so high, dude. These are these are pasture raised organic eggs. They're exceptional. Eggs are really <laughs> important in your diet. They Is the yolk orange or? Yeah, the yolk's the beautiful, the yolk? lively. You want to eat it instead of like a muted, gross yellow color. <laughs> I mean, you're laughing, man, but I would. Next, next time I'm at your house, do not serve me eggs. I'm not eating. Them. <laughs> or I'll just. I'm go not putting those in my body. Whole Foods and spend fifty dollars on a pack of eggs. I mean, if you bought so, enough of them, you could spend fifty dollars on them. So yeah, anyway, they went from eleven fifty to 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 twelve ninety nine, which is just like atrocious. But we're seeing nationwide yeah. charts of eggs come down from that, you know, the avian flu drama last year. Which can everybody uh, email me if you're buying the same eggs as I am? I know everybody is. <laughs> just how how's you know? This is from Vital Farms. Vital Farms. I'm looking up the stock right now. I'm sure they're crushing it on profits. Maybe I should buy some. They're down two and a half percent today. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. You said eh. Vital Farms. Yeah, Vital Farms. Okay. They're publicly traded. Anyway, sorry, I interrupted you. You got me down the egg train again. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I just think it's crazy to spend that much on eggs. But we we look at nationwide average charts, and the the cost of a dozen eggs. Nationwide is like three dollars. I'm in California, so we pay about four dollars for. But it is for eighteen, so that there it might average out to the nationwide average. So thirteen dollars for thirteen dollars. Where are you buying these eggs? Costco. Uh, we <clears throat> sometimes Costco. Yeah, it. So the the price is going to vary because it's by the pallet. So I don't. I don't I yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, much. Costco's got like a lot of eggs. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Let us know if you're spending. You could beat Chris's record in, in egg buying. You are. You can admit it. You can email me. I, everybody knows you're buying these 18 packs of pasture-raised eggs. They're That's good. So Once you do it, you won't go back. Yeah. Just, just, just one time, How? Go buy those. Crack one in the pan <laughs> and then crack one of your $4 eggs in the pan. And tell me which yeah. one you actually want to eat. Just do it yeah. and send me a picture. All right. Yeah, I, well, uh, my neighbors do give us, uh, sometimes, they stopped recently, but they, both neighbors on the sides of us have uh, chicken coops, and sometimes they give us uh. eggs. And that's why I'm familiar with the deep orange yolk versus the store-bought See? pale yellow. See? Pasture-raised eggs on pasture <laughs> in Sacramento. Yeah. Out in the open the field, they're, they're it running around. 
you know that free range means like they're just all in a huge factory like they're yeah. just they're just not in a little cage like it's, they just it's, have a foot it's bad yeah, advertisement foot. yeah <laughs> yeah all right my hands it's have really I weird think it's 103 square feet each it's really good it's really good uh, we want chickens life. by the way so it's bigger than my house you're it's gonna get chickens your for house. your, your property we want to because okay. egg prices keep going up, man. Can't afford these things. <laughs> I think it's cheaper to buy a chicken. <laughs> you know? Yeah. You could have bought 17 chickens in the, this year alone. And it's only 26 days. I in. think we could. I mean, yeah. how much is it? How much? How much is a... And well, you think about the feed and the coop, right? Because you can't have chickens roaming around. They're going to fly to neighbors' yards. Egg length, which, this is according to Google... Egg laying hens run between twenty and fifty dollars. Oh yeah, it. you would save a t- boatload if you did that. Uh, Even if you see. paid and the upper speaking head. of running, okay, we would need a coop. You can buy a coop yep. for as little as one hundred and sixty dollars. Okay, so let's say that that cost me, you know, two hundred. I don't know, and then fifty, and we probably need like two of these, right? So okay, so for let's say let's round here. So for four hundred bucks. I don't know what you feed them though. Chicken feed. So for 400 bucks, chicken feed. Yes, thank you. <laughs> um, but how many how many eggs do you consume a week? Is it the 18? Yeah, we, so, we eat a lot. Of, we probably eat five eggs a day. So 13. Um, <clears throat> so you're spending $52 a month. When you put it that way, okay. So, so thirty-one cartons of eggs is my break-even, and so I said five eggs a day. So five eggs yeah. a day, eighteen divided by five is three point six. So what? In like ten weeks, I break even. <laughs> That's wild, but again, there's other costs, right? The the time and effort to. To take care of the chickens, right? I don't know if you have coyotes yeah. out there. I doubt you do, but um, you know, there's there's predators. There's maintenance. There's chicken poop everywhere on your property, right? Oh, <clears throat> I don't need that. Yeah, one of my neighbor's see, chickens so. flew over the fence, and we had to chase the chicken down like I was Rocky. <laughs> you know how hard it is to chase a chicken, and fast, you pick right? a live chicken up. Yeah, picking a live chicken up, they like it's surprisingly strong. But the neighbor showed me how to finally corner one and, and grab it. It's happened a couple of times. So, <laughs> <clears throat> um, hens are expected to produce about three hundred eggs annually. Yeah, so two. I guess we'd have to kind of wait to stock up a little bit. We might need three. Yeah, mm. maybe you get to a point where you can't even consume all the eggs they produce because that's that's happened quite a few times. Yeah, how many Speaking do they have? My neighbors. Oh, wow. On both sides of us, they have probably more than 20. What? Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking, like, just, to, you know, two, but wow. Well, okay. Got 300, 600 eggs for two. That's that's a, still a lot of eggs. <clears throat> well, we've definitely gone in the, down the egg rabbit hole. Uh, you should have <laughs> me there, so thank you for the. Yeah, everyone who's turned off. Yeah. Once again, email me that you're buying Vital Farms, pasture-raised, organic eggs, or in the 12 or 18 pack. We all know the 18 pack's yeah, more, a better deal. With your eggs. <clears throat> email me if you're spending $4 and 18 eggs. 
I know you're not. <laughs> I won't get any email, emails on that. <laughs> All right. Um, anything else on this consumer spending thing? I, I think this is super interesting here, what you're, what you're talking about. Yeah. So, again, this kind of leads into the, the vibes of the recession, right? Think, people think things are bad. And their their wallets aren't showing that at all. Um, maybe it's a small percentage that's overspending that's making up for everyone else. I doubt that, especially with the numbers we're seeing. It's just it's a collective we, where we are overbuying. We're buying more, or we're booking more, or we're traveling more. Whatever the case is, we're spending a lot more, and that's even adjusting for inflation. Consumer confidence has jumped a significant amount too. Yeah, and we were talking in June. Yeah, so it was at a low, lower than 08. Remember that? Which I think is crazy. Crazy. That's one of the stupid. Like anyone who's filled out that survey during that needs to get kicked off the oh, survey. I wanted to tell you, I got an email, and I was so <clears throat> you excited. You finally got a survey? No, no, I thought it was. Uh, I got an email from no. this. It was the census, and I was like, Nah, the census doesn't seem right. So I clicked on it and it was much more just around like how many people are in your household, how many people under 12, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, but I really wanted to answer the economic questions, but yeah. they weren't there. So I actually just didn't complete the survey because yeah. that's what I wanted to do. Anyway, consumer uh, confidence bottomed at around 50 June of 2022, which is just insane. For context, it was like 55 November of 2008. So people felt worse in June of 2022 than they did in November of 2008. Yeah. Wild. And today it's all the way up at around 70, which likely plays a role in spending. I think, you know, for much of the year, we were talking about this revenge spending, like, ah, we're going to go into recession. I'm just going to buy now because yeah. I won't be able no. to buy later. Now people are actually feeling pretty darn good. And a lot of that is uh, credit to inflation coming down. Yeah. And gas prices too, because you could see. Which is a big part. Yeah. Yeah. They're inver inverse of it, one another. And again, We've been saying you sh your mood shouldn't swing with gas prices. I get does. that it sucks, but yeah, it's... And egg prices. Gas yeah. prices and egg prices. Those are two things that swing my mood. <laughs> but really, I mean, gas, like, because you, you fill a tank and it's like a lot of money. And it's painful, so, yeah. yeah. It's painful. Mm -hmm. I get it. But again, I don't get that it, it was 2008 levels, uh, 2008, below 2008 levels. I know gas prices were really cheap in 2008 because there was no demand. Like everything yeah. ground to a halt. And <clears throat> again, I look at things from a typically an economic lens. Let's shift over to, so you talked about loud budgeting. I don't know what that means. So what does loud budgeting mean? Yeah, it's a TikTok trend. So I don't know how much life this has, um, but this is kind of in stark contrast with um, the spending that we're seeing from Bank of America uh, <clears throat> loud budgeting means it's people saying, I can't afford to do this. I can't afford to go out with my friends and telling them, um, mm. versus coming up with an excuse, right? Um, mm -hmm. you're, you're, you're being open about your finances and your budgeting where <clears throat> you're, it, it isn't stark contrast for the way we've been raised for all these generations where money topics, personal money topics have been taboo. And I think <clears throat> loud budgeting is trying to shift that where I'm open, not, not just to my family, but to my friends that I can't afford this or I, <clears throat> I value this more than that. Meaning mm -hmm. I value Starbucks coffee 
daily more than gym memberships, right? So if you're spending mm-hmm. $200 a month at a gym or $200 a month in coffee, who's, who's to judge you, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think, I think, I hope this sticks. I doubt it will because it seems like TikTok trends seems to last a week. But the previous trend was, you know, uh, <clears throat> uh, like an explanation of budgeting. So if I bought a $5,000 purse and I use it 500 times, the cost of that purse ends up being, you know, $100 per use or something stupid like that, where it's it's like a justification of luxury goods where, you know, that was a trend just a few months ago. So that's why I'm not convinced that this will stick, but I think there's some real good at the heart of this where if you're if you're trying to change the dogma of, I'm not going to talk about finances or come up with some lame excuse that I can't afford to go out with my friends rather than just tell them I I can't afford to go, you know, to this luxury dinner with you guys because you go twice a year, uh, twice a month, and it's a $500 tab every single time. Um, We get that it's more likely the minority there because the, the, the data in terms of actual spending, like what people are saying versus what people are doing, it's still in contrast of what, what's happening, right? Like the number mm-hmm. of transactions is so high that someone's lying, and I de- I'm pretty sure it's these loud budgeters who are saying they can't afford things, but they're probably going on spending it in other places. Well, it's interesting because the the B of A study is uh, I'm trying to read the fine print here, but I am assuming that it's much more national, you know, yep. different age bands, probably yep. people that are older. We do know that TikTok tends to skew on the younger side. And so yep. it's really a window into what young people are doing. And and uh, I'll just read this here. So it says loud budgeting or the loud budgeting trend encourages consumers to take control of their finances and be vocal about making money conscious decisions rather than modeling purchase decisions after cele- celebrities and their bottomless pockets. I think that's super interesting, right? Because to keep yeah. up, it's like I need a thousand dollar car payment. I need to go get, you know, I need, my shoes need to be white everywhere I go, that kind of stuff, right? And, and that costs a lot of money. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the, the, so it's not the I don't have enough, it's the I don't want to spend. And so that's kind of the other, the other, I think, tweak here. So it's I can't afford it, but it's also like I don't want to yeah. go spend money on that. It's less yeah, about you, keeping up with the Joneses, as they would say, and more about making conscious decisions. To me, I think that's so empowering where you're saying, well, my neighbor drives a Mercedes. I suddenly could care less, right, versus previously, well, I need to get a Mercedes to keep up with them. Yeah. Right? I think it's interesting. You know, every um, – Morgan Housel talks about this in his in his book, um, The Psychology the of Money. Uh, yeah, The Goalpost. For everybody's right? – say again. Um, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. No, sorry. What were you saying? Well, he, he was mentioning um, people tend to move their goalposts further and further out the more and more money they make. Mm. So their expectations go up <clears throat> in terms of their actual reality, and their expectations are always out of reach of the reality. And, you know, you could see $400,000 earners are perpetually unhappy because their expectations are so sky high. Mm. So also true, and, and actually I, I was going a slightly different mm. direction there, but that's really good perspective, right? I think for the TikTok world, they might be associating themselves with that $400,000 earner, frankly, the, the, the $8 million earner who's a celebrity, yeah. right? Which is like totally yeah. different. Um, and, and, you know, trying to compare themselves to, to that person where I was going was 
um, it's shown that over over the over history, the environment that we grew up in and what we experienced as as we grew up has more of an impact on us than what we are taught. And so, people that grew up in a super high inflation environment, when we went through and are kind of still going through it now, higher inflation, they're panicked. Uh, versus people that grew up in incredibly low yeah, inflation environment, yeah. they don't know anything about inflation. And inflation yeah. going up is like, nah, whatever. Um, you know, people that remember gas lines, you know, they're 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 that's imprinted in their brain. And so, throughout all times of economic history, we all have these imprints. So, um, obviously, you know, we know some of the data with like millennials and the the people that graduated in, you know, two thousand eight, two thousand nine, into one of the worst job markets ever. Uh-huh. Um, or even right before then got hired and then immediately got, got laid off, couldn't find a job. Um, my, my curiosity is around the, the, this exact topic. I wonder if people are going, wait, I don't want to go spend on dinner because I can put it in a high yield savings account and I can earn 5%. Yeah. And if I put a thousand dollars in there, I could pay for my coffee all year b- via yeah. interest. Yeah. Like, I hope that's what's actually happening behind the scenes. Like, higher interest rates are promoting saver, saving and then savers, and that's actually teaching some financial acumen to young people. Um, how, you know, how beautiful is that? Yeah, we'll I talked to my younger self where, what, 25% APR on credit cards? So if you're no longer carrying any debt from month to month on a credit card, I think that 5% savings yield is the delta of 30%, right? 30%. Totally. 30% in four months doubles your money, more than doubles your money. So, or does it take away from your money? <laughs> Meaning if you have $1,000 yeah. in debt that you're carrying all year, that's that's a $300 delta that you're looking at versus yeah. putting that $1,000 in savings. I wonder if young people are putting money on credit cards or just what, what, I mean, I remember when I got my first credit card, I think it was a $300 limit, you know? So like we're talking, you couldn't even get yourself into trouble on the thing. Um, I wonder if young people are getting bigger credit card, you know, $2,000 and stuff like, I don't know. Oh, yeah. And I don't, I don't know if know. they're running it up. I don't know if they're carrying a balance. I don't know if they're paying 25%. Using parents? Maybe, but I mean, I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's interesting. I mean, maybe they're not paying cash, but, uh, yeah. There's buy now, pay later, but still mm, there's an upper point. limit to that. Where again, that blew up. seven thousand dollar purse. Yeah, that's a very high payment. So, yeah, it is more affordable though. I know there's data on. We don't have it here, but I know there's data on the amount of defaults with the the buy now yeah. pay later. It was supposed to be great, and you know, young people liked it because they didn't like credit cards. And then there's like a super high default rate. I won't quote it because I don't know, but it's quite high. And then those basically become payday loans, and they're insanely high and not yeah. great. Yeah, but. Interesting. Well, hey, good discussion today. This was fun. Yeah, that was fun. Um, yeah. I think it'll be, you know, if Morgan Housel writes a, a third book and talks about, um, you know, the, the 2023, 2024 kids, maybe 10 or 20 years from today, uh, I think that'll be fascinating to see what the incentives were today and what ultimately or how that shaped yeah. them as future consumers as they come of age in the next, you know, whatever, I guess, you know, 10 to 20 years. No, and I think it'd be interesting to see what our imprints are in 20 years from now. Yeah, like, yeah, are we going to talk about this moment about high inflation, even though it only lasted 18 months? Maybe. Hmm. Yeah. 
All right. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in today. We hope that this was a fun discussion. It's certainly fun for us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we'll, uh, we'll catch you again in two weeks. All right, make it a great one. <laughs>